From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 38. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts, Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, and SaneBox. Clean up your inbox and spend less time on email. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net and the host of Virtual on Relay FM, Mr. Federico Vitici. Buonasera, Mike. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm feeling great. I can't wait for follow-up today. Um, and I'm also joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett, co-founder of Relay FM and editor-in-chief of 512pixels.net. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hey, guys. How are I was everyone in Europe. Good. Are you as excited about follow-up this week as I am? Not so much um, okay. because it's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous? The best follow-up ever? I'm so excited about it. Can we just, we're gonna oh, just do it? Can we just do we're going to jump right into it to avoid the awkward bits we've had the last couple of weeks. So as we have stated, or as really everyone on the internet has stated, that my, the, this is the year that Mike was right about the iPhone 6 Plus. A couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, or maybe, yeah, couple weeks ago, you were talking about the Apple Watch, and you said that you use your nose. This is last week. It feels like an eternity ago, Mike, because all we have gotten in our inboxes and on Twitter is how many people do this. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's uh, been overwhelming. Everybody has been tweeting at me and, and or us and has been... Uh, yeah, has been saying, yes, I use my nose to tap things. Some people said that they have been doing it since the show. Some people said they were doing it before the show. Like, if you just search Twitter for the hashtag Mike was right, you will see many people declaring over the last week um, about the nose tapping phenomenon to the point where it has even started to spread around the internet. And I have collected mm-hmm. a selection of links uh, to further illustrate the nose tapping. So it... Uh, received follow-out, and I'm so happy that it was re- referred to as follow-out in the ATP show notes, episode 115, where uh, Marco claims that, that I am right and that nose-tapping is a thing that, that people should recognize. Um, it There is a Reddit thread <laughs> which existed uh, wow. before uh, this, this. Somebody created this thread um, about uh, watch users. Have you used your nose to operate it when your hands are full? And then in that thread, people mention the show and me. Um, as a, so we got another another uh, piece of source material here. And then also during the uh, live, well, the in-person episode of The Incomparable um, that they recorded, that Jason recorded along with a bunch of other fine people like Mr. John Syracuse, Andy Anako, Dan Warren, um, Serenity Caldwell, and Tony Sindelar. I think I got everybody. I hope I got everybody. I tried to then get everybody. Uh, during the episode, Jason is called out for tapping his watch with his nose. Wow. Oh, so this is something that happens, guys. Steven, I, uh, what, are, what are we going to do now? There's all these people like Mike. Uh, it's it's concerning in many ways, mostly for the future of the human race. But uh, yes. I have not done it, and I have not found and i had a time where i was like oh i'm gonna do this but i don't want to do it so i can argue with mike about it like has not even entered my mind to try it and it may be that i don't walk as like part of a commute like mike you were talking about last week you know you you went out and you do a lot of walking in london much more than i do here in memphis and you know maybe when you're on the go and you have a shopping bag or something you're on a city street or on a subway maybe it makes more sense and i just don't have that sort of thing because my commute is in my car and I'm not really fiddling with my watch when I drive. 
uh, so maybe that's part of it. Um, but even like around the house, like I do it um, around the house all the time. Wow. So, like, Mike, can you explain? Is this something that you also do socially, like in front of other people or together with people? You just tap your noses in, on the on the Apple watches. I've I've done it in public. I've done it with uh, close family and friends around. Oh, okay. So it's a it's a social thing, also. I mean, it's when you say it's a social thing, it makes it sound like it's thing it's things like I get a bunch of people together and we all tap <laughs> yes. our watches of our noses or like tap each other's watches or something. Uh, yeah. That's not something that that occurs, but uh, mm. just in general, yes, I you know I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I do wonder, Stephen, if you would have done it if we wouldn't have had this conversation. Like, I think that there's something buried like deep in the back <laughs> of your brain now, where you are adverse to nose tapping because because we have had this conversation. <laughs> uh, maybe I mean so so around the house, you know, I. Uh, the other day, you know, I was I've been wearing it since last week, and um, I was doing something actually on the watch, and kind of needed to like scoop up my my youngest son, who's seven months old, kind of at the same time. And like you guys talked a little about about it on uh, upgrade about like the state the watch is in, right? And, and for me, that's been not a big deal. Like if I'm doing something, I just drop my wrist. I can just come back to it later because. Uh, it's it's just not a big deal for me to like finish what I'm doing as I start to do something else. Now I will say that um, that I I could see doing it like if an alarm is going off and I want to silence it if I'm cooking or something. I haven't been in that situation with it yet, but it it's definitely not like a all the time type thing. I think oh I should notice that tap this and then I don't. It just I don't know. Like I I'm glad that you were right and uh, clearly like. It is something that people do if you just look at all these links we've put in the show notes, but it hasn't come up uh, for me yet. Mike, if people want to see all that stuff you just talked about, where could they go in their internet browser? To just anywhere sane on the internet, or because that's what everybody's talking about nose tapping. Or, you know, you could also go to relay.fm slash connected slash 38 and you will find uh, primary source material for the nose tapping phenomenon of 2015. That's correct. You can also go to uh, theshownotes.com, which redirects Yes, that's, our... that's true this time. It yeah, started the show as notes, a joke. Shownotes.com slash 38 should redirect you. Yeah, it does. Uh, it does. Yeah, so does someone that. has put, someone's put amazing, that together right? for us. It's pretty like, amazing. We, we own the show notes. Like we should, we should have a trademark or something about the show notes, mm. you know? So thank you to Ben, uh, Ben Curtin, uh, BJ Curtin on Twitter, who who registered the show notes. Awesome, us. that's a pretty pretty awesome, uh, pretty awesome thing. Um, since we're talking about Mike was right, we should talk about how connected was wrong. In fact, that none of us apparently know anything about iTunes Radio, and more disappointingly to me, I didn't look it up when we were talking. K base, uh, K base. Apparently, iTunes Radio is only available in the U.S. and in Australia. However, I tried Googling this and tried to find it on Apple's website, and I can't find it very clearly listed anywhere that that's actually where iTunes Radio is offered. Um, maybe someone in the chat room or maybe one of you two can find that link, but I had trouble even verifying this, but it seems, I seem pretty sure that it's just in the US and Australia. Because yeah, I think we said Canada and didn't know about Australia, but I'm currently on apple.com slash au slash iTunes slash iTunes Radio, and it's a page that exists. So mm-hmm. definitely you, in Australia. And, and there's a link to start listening. So we'll we'll go with that. That is definitely in Australia. Congratulations, Australians. 
Um, Good job. I don't know why. I mean, I'm happy for you guys. I really am. Well, they do get koalas and iTunes radio. So, you know, it's it's my kind of country. That's a good point. Maybe, maybe those two things are linked somehow. Hmm. Yeah, somehow. Um, so last week we were speaking about Apple's quarterly results and spoke about iPad oh, sales. And uh, Dr. Drang... Yeah. Um, uh, Broke our hearts is what he the did. Father, I'm, I'm fine. The father of all <laughs> nerds. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> when I say our, I mean Federico. Yes, yeah. thank you. Uh, wrote this piece about iPad sales and, and mentioned us and a couple other things. And, and basically, uh, the gist of this thing is that the way that iPad quarterly result sales are normally reported, it's a little hard to see kind of what's going on. I think that's fair. Um you know, looking at these charts, like it, his point makes sense to me. Clearly, like the Apple one, the cumulative iPad sales is like a really bogus number to pull out because cumulative numbers will always go up when you're talking about sales of products. But um, he has some, some po- other points in here, and I want to know if you guys wanted to uh, address any of these or mm-hmm. just mention it and move on. No, well, the the main point, I guess, is that uh, me and the other, I don't know how many millions of other people were all in denial about the iPad you know, uh, because we're moving from stage one to stage two of the, the, the model that the doctor mentions. So we're all in denial about the iPad. Like, we have this delusion about this computer, uh, you know, uh, functioning well for us. But turns out that it doesn't and it'll die soon. Uh, so that's the real, the real point of the article, I guess. I think if uh, I'm to argue for Dr. Drang, I think his point is not that the iPad doesn't work for you um, so much as that it's not selling as well. Well, it, as d- it does could. say that I was in denial. <laughs> I think and, what he is referring to... anger about the iPad. I'm not really I angry about that, the iPad. I, I really don't care. <laughs> I think that, that he is the... saying that you are in denial about the decline. Well, there's nothing to be in denial, in denial about. I mean, it's, it's selling less than before, but it's still plenty. I do, I'm not understanding what's so strange to, to, to understand about this, honestly. Okay, it's I don't know. I don't want to have this argument again. No, I, I, I don't. Feel like... I don't want to have it with you. I, I think whether it's right or not, people think that you have a bias, um, but we all have our own biases, and potentially the people that write these articles that do that that refute your opinion have a bias towards the Mac, or mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? So it's 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 kind of all a bit like like a like a war. I guess it's not really shouldn't be a war to do that because like war what is it good for Federico no it's a stupid war (laughs) it's absolutely nothing there's nothing to be uh, you know at war about like you like a Mac I like an iPad and Steven likes old Macs and that's fine (laughs) and everybody gets what they want I really I don't understand like this is beyond the uh, the the article on, on, on Dr. Drang's website. But there's people who actually get angry. I'm not the angry one. There's other people who get angry when you say that you do stuff on an iPad. And we've talked about this before many, many times. Uh, those people tend to be Mac users or PC users. And I don't understand why can't everybody just go on with their day and let other people, not just me, other people in general, like everybody uses the computer they want and in the end what matters is that you do good work or you manage to accomplish what you set out to accomplish with your computer it doesn't matter what kind of computer you use i don't i don't understand like we need the need to use uh financial results to make an argument a bigger argument about the ipad 
Like, I think that's a, like it's it's a useless waste of time to use financial results to make a statement about the iPad as a device and its need to exist. Like it's just numbers and it's still millions of money, you know? Yeah, because I guess thinking, I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot after our discussion this week and I've been trying to think about things like, I, I don't say I disagree with you. I don't agree with people that say it's dead. I don't really know where I sit on it because I'm not an iPad user. So I, I, again, I try not to judge, but I see the things you do and I appreciate them. So I've been thinking about this a little bit. And I guess the thing that these numbers don't show is how many people are using the iPad. Because, yeah, I mean, okay, they might not be selling as many as they sold previously, but that doesn't mean there's less people buying them and like you can't really compare ipad and iphone because contracts and and like subsidies so like i mean it would be really interesting and it'd probably be useful for apple to try and show like if they do know like app store sales or something from the ipad like to show like see people are using these devices because people are buying tons of apps on them you know do you know what i mean like that might help show that yeah okay the numbers are going down just because less people are buying new ones but that's okay because the people that bought four years ago they're going to buy again next year like i don't know i don't know yeah maybe they could use you know uh, different numbers uh, but maybe they can't like i don't know what's behind the numbers like can they share usage numbers is well, that all right can I they do so. that on I know an I've investor seen stuff call like that i don't know before at least google always shares stuff like that don't they they say like how many active uh activated and active users they have. They usually share that information at I.O. But that's weird for Apple to do. They don't share it on anything else. So maybe they don't want to share it on this one product. I don't know. But it, but that, that I just wanted to add that thought, Federico, because I, 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 I push you, but it, I don't want people to think that I disagree with you. Um, no, 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 yeah, because we also got people saying that you... you people you, hate me. <laughs> when, when Mike... Um, pushes me it's because he wants me to 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 think about stuff usually and he makes for a good show and i agree uh, so i'm not angry at mike i'm not angry actually at anybody in general like i don't have time to be angry so it's just that i find curious to use one set of facts in this case numbers to make a statement about another topic which is does this type of computer need to exist like it's two different you know, uh, to, it's two different things and you're trying to, to make a single argument and it doesn't really work. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I feel like uh, we've talked about this enough and maybe we should move <laughs> on and you use a Mac, I use an iPad and, and the world is fine and we're fine and we love each other. It's true. It's all very true. Uh, Mike, I wanted to uh, do some follow-up. You guys spoke on Upgrade about the unboxing experience for the Apple Watch, and uh, in the show notes will be a uh, a link to a Flickr uh, album. I unboxed the uh, stainless steel one, and it sounds like from the description that this box and the um the sport box are different. Uh, yeah, they are different. Yeah. yeah, so it's like in a um this is radio, so we'll do a word picture, kind of in a in a box it's it's on its side in a little mount so it's not laid out flat it's actually like it was actually like buckled around this thing the box is really heavy it's i agree with you guys it's a lot of packaging it feels very much like an unboxing an early ipod um but uh we will uh 
Uh, we'll put that in the show notes and uh, people can check it out. It's really a really uh, nice experience. Um, but uh, it's, uh, you know, clearly they're going for this like sort of luxury feel about things. I think one of the the key differences between the Sport and the Steel is the Sport box is a long, thin box and the, the watch is laid out flat. But the Steel, it the, the band is wrapped around itself and it's enclosed in a circle and the box is square. It's a cube, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. And you could like club somebody with this box. Like it is heavy. Because luxury. Yeah, the, yeah, because the <laughs> the box that the watch itself is in is quite heavy and then it's in a box and it was in a box. Just boxes on boxes on boxes. <laughs> so did you like the box even? You didn't really sound excited. No, I mean it's nice. It's just it was it was not what I was expecting like uh, I don't know what I was expecting. I, I wasn't thinking it'd be like an iPod, like a little c- clear acrylic case. It was just, it was nicer than I was expecting, and it was oh, cool. m- just more of it than I was expecting. But it's nice, nice. and I'm, I'm going to keep it, and um, we'll go from there. Cool. Awesome. We have a special guest on this week's episode. Um, we're going to be joined by Christina Warren in a moment to talk about um, all of the crazy stuff uh, that is happening over at Microsoft. So we're going to talk about some of the iOS apps on Windows Phone stuff. Uh, but before we do that, let me take a moment to thank our friends over at lynda.com. They are the online learning platform that have over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. To get yourself a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot slash connected. Lynda.com is for people that want to solve problems. It's for people that are curious to advance a hobby that they've always wanted. It's the people that want to just make things happen. Maybe you've always wanted to learn how to master Excel so you can be a king in the accounting room. Maybe you've always wanted to learn how to like to, to really negotiate well so you can be a queen in the boardroom. Like You can look at all of this stuff on lynda.com and you can make yourself an absolute whiz kid in business, technology, it doesn't matter what it is, lynda.com have got courses for all of it. Maybe you want to get started in development. We talk about that a bunch on this show. We're about to talk about it in a bit. Maybe you want to learn how to develop for the Windows platform. Maybe you want to learn how to develop Android apps or iOS apps. Maybe you want to learn Swift. Lynda.com has courses on all of these from fundamentals to projects so you can learn how to build like say for example a to-do app you can build like a to-do app start to finish and it will show you how to do all of that and it has courses that you can watch the great videos you can watch them in your browser with their fantastic transcripts you can watch them on ios and android as well but then they also have like resources and things that you can download and you can try them out for yourself so you can actually follow on whilst you're watching the course these courses are taught by actual experts who are super passionate about teaching and that comes across in all of lynda.com stuff as they try and make it as easy as possible for you to learn great new things. Your lynda.com membership is going to give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you are looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, go to lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected, and sign up right now for your free 10-day trial. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So uh, we are joined now on Connected by co-host of Rocket on Relay FM and senior tech editor at Mashable, Christina Warren. Hi, Christina. Hey, guys. How are you? So well. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. We're going to talk about some interesting stuff today. We're going to talk about um, Microsoft <laughs> on the <laughs> Apple show. I know. Well, it's, it's there's actually Microsoft-y news. It's interesting. 
there's Apple news on 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 coming out of Microsoft. It's it's a it's a new world, you guys. Yeah, yeah. So so I guess now last week Microsoft had its build conference for those of us in the uh, Apple camp. It's it's basically their WWDC. It's a time for them to have developers and their community in one place and kind of lay out the roadmap for what's going on. And uh, it was really like, how long? It was like two and a half hour keynote or something. <laughs> it was a long. two and a half. It was a ridiculously long keynote. It was scheduled to be two hours and then it ended up going two and a half hours. That's right. Yeah. How <laughs> how you end up, I mean, and they clearly had rehearsed how you miss schedule, how, how everybody ends up going long and, and you end up, I, I, I don't even know how that happens, but uh, no, it was very long. And uh, it, unlike Apple, who always kind of focuses on the more consumery bits during the WWDC keynote. So even though developers get excited about stuff like Swift and new Xcode features and, and new APIs, there's something for the regular people to kind of understand too. Microsoft had some of that. Unfortunately, they saved it basically for the very end or interspersed weird places in the middle and started ta- started up by talking about Docker, which is totally fascinating and awesome, but maybe not for everybody. And then they got into all their cloud computing stuff and Azure, you know, cloud storage and, and, and different types of, you know, database um, technologies and, and uh, you know, really kind of going into the, the deep, deep, nerdy, nerdy yeah. woods point where me who is interested in a lot of stuff i'm bored i'm like okay you guys this is terrible and and waited until the very end to kind of get into the new features coming to windows 10 and uh to talk about the hololens which is kind of their augmented reality technology which is actually really cool yeah um so i thought we could kind of focus on where microsoft is sort of um Touching the the Apple world here. So as as a lot of people know, they've got Windows. They've got uh, Windows now runs on the Xbox, kind of. They run on tablets, and of course they run on phones with with Windows Phone. And that's seems to be sort of the um, you know kind of the runt of the litter over at Microsoft. Windows Phone hasn't been a huge success in most places uh, by by many metrics. They they have some interesting hardware. You guys spoke about that on Rocket with some of the camera stuff they're doing is pretty interesting, but. But kind of the core problem with Windows Phone is that there's not a lot of third-party uh, applications for it, which is a little bit chicken and egg, right? They they don't have any, or you could say they don't have users because they don't have apps, but they don't have apps because they don't have users. And it seems like Microsoft is trying to break out of that cycle with some with some announcements that they made uh, made last week. So, Christina, what are they doing with iOS developers uh, specifically? What what have they kind of put on the table uh, now? Well, you, you summed up, you know, the exact problem that they're facing really, really well, which is that, uh, you know, they've been cranking away at this platform for, I guess, four years now, um, close to five years, actually, with, with Windows, if you count Windows Phone 7. And, uh, you know, Windows Phone 8 was uh, 2012, I want to say. So it's been three years that they've been doing that. And um, they've had issues where they are trying to get developers on board and they just kind of can't do it. Um, so what they're doing with, with iOS developers is they are basically saying, okay, we know that you're developing apps for iOS and we know that you like Cocoa. We know you like Objective-C. We know you like the Apple stuff. Um, what if we made it easy for you to bring your apps over and basically port your iOS apps, your your Objective-C stuff, and get it to, to natively run in Windows? Um, so basically you can bring over your Xcode project and take all of your Objective-C files. You'll need to do some work uh, to kind of package it correctly for, you know, in, in, in C-sharp and, and, and to run you know, on, on the Windows platform. But um, by and large, you know, it would be one of those things where it would kind of let you bring a lot of your coding, a lot of your UI stuff even, um, a lot of your back-end kind of mechanics and, and translate it to be able to run 
on Windows. And one of the examples they pointed out was that Candy Crush Saga uh, from King, the one that is in the Windows um, store is actually in the Microsoft store is a direct port of the iOS app where it's literally, literally the iOS code, maybe with a few changes made that King, you know, pushes out updates to fair, every so often. So King hasn't had to develop um, anything, you know, natively for, for, for Windows Phone. They are just able to take the iOS code that they've, they've used and, and bring it back over. Yeah, and, you know, I could see the the draw for that, right? So instead of having to, to have a, a Windows Phone, you know, developer or probably, honestly, a team of developers working on it, Microsoft's basically offering, hey, look, bring your iOS app, bring your front end, and, um, you know, you can recompile it and you can run. And, and you know, to, to me, as sort of an old Mac user, like I've heard this story before, but but in the, in the past you heard it from Apple, of like, hey, guys, Java, like, you know, this whole, like, develop once, run everywhere promise always kind of falls apart. And it does. Do you think Microsoft has an opportunity to break that or is, are they doomed to the same same mistakes? I think it depends on how they do it. I mean, I think that it's certainly there have been examples of people who have, you know, created kind of these hybrid platforms that sit on top of these translation layers that sit on top of, of native code bases and, and convert things that I think have done well. You know, um, Zimmerian, which is a company that actually does the inverse of this, where you can write in C Sharp and build apps for Mac, um, iOS, um, you know, Android, um, basically let, lets people do that. And, and that's fairly popular with people in the enterprise who maybe have a lot of, you know, C-sharp expertise and they don't have the expertise in Objective-C or in Java and, and don't, you know, know all the, the, the specific coding standards for Android or iOS. Um, that works pretty well and, and gets pretty good results. And, and they can be fairly close to, to what you would get if you were writing pure native code. Uh, I think the problem, though, is that always, you know, there, there, there are certain optimization challenges involved and, and, and certain things can convert very cleanly, certain things can't, but there are optimizations you can make there. Uh, the problem, though, is that, you know, it's not just about porting the app over. And I talked to a lot of developers about this. It's also about taking care of support issues and, and supporting customers and, and, you know, seeing if you want to maintain kind of any differences in the look and feel. And do you need to change this API or that API for a service that might not exist? This is more of an issue with, with Android, I think, ports coming over to, to Windows than it might be for Apple stuff. But for instance, Google services is something that a lot of Android developers use and rely on. And that's what handles a lot of their location data, a lot of their in-app purchase stuff, and a lot of other kind of, uh, you know, uh, tidbits. And that right. is a problem for Android developers who want to port their apps to Amazon's App Store, for instance, because that doesn't have Google services. And it also means that if you're bringing that code over to Windows, you're going to have to have something else to drop in its place. Now, Microsoft has said they already have that. And, you know, if you're using mapping functionality and, and calling, you know, making calls to Google Maps, they will, you know, redirect those to, to Bing Maps um, or, or to Nokia here or whatever they're using. And, and the same is true for the in-app purchase things. And they can do the same thing with Apple. You know, if, if somebody's making a call to, you know, a, a mapping component or a camera component, it can, it can you know, be cross-referenced with whatever Windows is doing. Uh, but there are, it's, I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if this is going to be any different um, now on the short term, but I feel like there is potential because it is Microsoft, if they decide to take on as a company and as a strategy, be more cross-platform and start approaching things in um, a more multifaceted way, they might be able to come up with a solution that might be, maybe it's not as good as going pure native, um, but could be perfectly serviceable and perfectly usable for lots and lots of people. Right. You know, in, in the past, I mean, there's lots of stories about this of Microsoft going to 
developers and saying, "Hey, look, you know, we, we will pay you to to bring your app over." Um, uh, and, and that's gone on very recently, even with you know people we know. And and I wonder, like, is that sort of approach has that not worked for them, or are they are they still not getting what they can do? Because you look at the big names, like, and everybody points at Instagram, right? Like that's kind of the the example yeah. people use. And I mean, for me, it, it might be a silly metric, but that's one that I'm going to look at of like. Does Instagram show up, like, or does Snapchat right. show up? One of these really big social networks, because that's what people want out of a mobile device, and it Microsoft is. just can't offer it. No, and you're right. I mean, the problem is, you know, for instance, Instagram is a great example. Instagram actually is on Windows Phone, but it doesn't have nearly the features that it has on Android or iOS. Um, right. I mean, and in fairness, you know, Instagram is still leading on iOS than it is on Android, you know, and, and some of the third party. I've gotten much better with feature parity for the main app, but the layouts app and, and hyper. Um, um, laps and, and some of the other things are, are not on Android at all. Um, but, you know, they did come over to Windows Phone. I don't know what was involved with that, how much money Microsoft had to pay, what work they had to do to get them there, but they did come over. But the fact that the updates haven't kept up in pace, I think, indicates that they're not getting a huge amount of ROI from um, the Windows Phone, um, you know, code base. Um, there's a, another, you know, company I've, I've talked to um, kind of on background who's told me, you know, they had a Windows Phone app. They haven't updated it since uh, 2013. This is a, a, a really big uh, social network. And they, um, you know, I said, does this change your plans at all? And they said, no, frankly, it doesn't. Um, Snapchat is an interesting case because they used to have a number of third-party unofficial clients for Windows Phone that you could use. Snapchat, because it has pretty lousy security anyway, they're finally starting to kind of act more like adults, although they still act like children, and and, and realizing they have to start showing people money and, and having to take privacy issues seriously, have now had a very hard official hard ban on unofficial third-party apps, anybody using their API. Um, and so they are banning those apps from 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 you know, the store, and, and if anybody uses them, then their Snapchat account gets, get, gets uh, you know, shut down. So... It opens up an interesting question. Users, obviously, Windows users really want a Snapchat client. It does open up an interesting place where it goes, okay, look, Snapchat, we know you guys don't want to invest the time and effort in maintaining an app for our platform. We know that we don't have enough users to make a, a dent for you guys, and it doesn't matter. But our users really want it. And if we could show you that all you need to do is bring over your iOS or your Android code, you know, could we do it? And and at that point, maybe Microsoft could even say, look, we can even help out with some of the support issues and we can help out with even some of the maintenance issues. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how well that scales, but it might be a, a, a short-term solution for the problem of at least getting some of the apps that, that you need for parity on the platform. You know, uh, having Candy Crush Saga is a good step when it comes to gaming and that, that app does really well on Windows Phone, um, you know, King has said. But, you know, making sure that Snapchat is updated more frequently, making sure that you have apps um, such as, uh, or not, not Snapchat, Instagram is updated more frequently, making sure you have apps like like Snapchat on. Um, and, and, you know, insert, you know, maybe even talking to, I think this would be a lot harder, and I don't know if it would even be possible, but talking to, you know, like Periscope and, and, and the Meerkat guys and, and, you know, the Yik Yaks of the world, keeping abreast of what the next generation of users wants. And, you know, I think being proactive and reaching out to them and saying, hey, you know, maybe you want to consider building this into your strategy as you evolve. I, I don't know if that'll work or not, but it's better than the current strategy, which is basically, hey, we'll bribe you, come over to the platform. <laughs> right. They're bribed, they come over to the platform, there's still no users. And at a certain point, it's like, well, the money was great, thanks, we tried, but we still aren't going to bother dedicating resources to building natively for this because it's not worth it for us to dedicate 
you know, a, a team or even a couple of, of, of engineers on this. Mm-hmm. So, Christina, like looking at this, seeing that these apps, these big apps that are just completely dodging and just missing Windows Phone, like by choice, does this indicate that Windows Phone is maybe dead as a platform? Are they going down the same road as BlackBerry? Microsoft isn't facing the same issues that the BlackBerry is facing. They obviously are, are in a slightly better position than that. But one of the interesting things that they're doing is they're selling a lot of low-cost phones. You know, the Lumia series has done really well in, in these emerging markets. So they kind of are going after the same base as the Android One um, initiative. Um, some of the sort of Android you know, systems, some of them use official Google services. Some of them don't, you know, from companies such as Xiaomi and Hisense and TCL. And they're they're doing really well in those markets. Uh, they can do things like carrier billing, which is really popular in, in markets where you don't have credit cards. And I think that there's a case to be made that if they could build critical mass in those markets, you know, you look at the BRIC countries, you know, uh, Brazil, India, uh, Russia, China, if they could build critical mass in, in any of those areas. And, and so far, it looks like they're doing the best in South America. That might be enough to maybe not consi- not save the platform, but at least make it more viable. And um, but. I, I kind of don't know what they do. I mean, you said, is is it a failure? Have they done kind of what BlackBerry's done? Right now, it is a failure. But I don't know how much longer... I don't know what they do. I don't know whether they quit and try to do something else because they can't not do mobile. They have to do mobile. So I don't know whether they quit and try to come up with another platform and maybe hope that the next wave of, of smart devices and smartphones and the, ne- the next cycle, they'll be able to gain mindshare that way. Or if they have to continue plugging on, keeping on plugging on. And, and honestly, that kind of opens up one of the interesting side benefits of what they're doing, which also relates to the Mac and to iOS, which is that Microsoft is being really bullish about bringing their own services and tools to, you know, to, to Mac and, and, and to, to iPhone especially. So, you know, they need to be on mobile, period. They can't quit their mobile strategy. And, if they can't win by having people come to their platform, they can at least make sure that their core services, you know, things like Office, are available where people actually are using uh, mobile devices. Right. We've talked about that even on this show that, you know, some of Microsoft's apps like, you know, Outlook, yes, they purchased it. You know, it's not built from the ground up in Microsoft, but it's it's a really it's nice a great contender app. on iOS. And, it's a great app. Um, and Sunrise, the, the calendar app also. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they bought Sunrise, which is a great one. And they've also, um, you know, I have to even say Office 365, you know, they've done a really good job with it on iOS. Um, and and they're, they've shown off in future versions where, you know, if you add extensions and add add-on components to things like Excel and you do it, you know, on, on Windows, it'll also work on the Mac, it'll work on the on the web, and it'll work um, on iOS. And so that becomes interesting as kind of an add-on capability for, for real-time editing and for collaboration stuff and for bringing in cloud and kind of server-side components. You know, it works with, you know, they're doing integrations with Dropbox. So you can open up, you know, your Dropbox files in Office 365 and open up, you know, if you're in Dropbox, open those, you know, edit documents in Office 365 directly from the Dropbox app. They're, they're really trying to be more extensible and they're trying to be more places. And that's a good thing. That's something that they resisted doing for far too long. And as a result, Google, which in my opinion has a much, as a way inferior product, has kind of taken hold in, in the online creation space. Now, my favorite for, for, for document um, uh, editing and for collaboration stuff is actually a company called Quip, Q-U-I-P. I really like Quip, and they have a great iOS app, fantastic iOS app, actually, um, and a really good share extension and, and widget stuff, too. But, um, but do you know they also support Markdown, Christina? Yes, they do. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah, yeah. we used Quipa as a replacement for Google Docs for a while, and I just love the the marketing yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because the guy who's their C who's their CEO and their founder, he was the CTO of Facebook for a long, long time, and he was one of the co-creators of Google Maps. And several of the people on the Quip team are from the Google Docs team. Like they know what they're oh. doing. They they you know uh, Brett Taylor um, from who he was a he was one of the founders of FriendFeed, and then he went to Facebook as their CTO and was there for a long time. And he know they know about collaboration and they know about. Um, what to do and, and, and they have really high core competency and, and their iOS app is great and they build a great web app. You know, it's not surprising to me that the first great web app was Google Maps, right? Uh, and that its co-creator is working on that project. But, you know, Microsoft Office is actually not bad either. I had to give a presentation a few weeks ago and I needed it to be in PowerPoint format. I couldn't use Keynote. And um, I making able to make edits in Office 365. Um, I was using the Mac uh, 2015 Office beta, and um, I was able to make edits, you know, on my iPad using the same theme fonts, everything, um, and everything worked flawlessly, and and that was really great. So, um, I mean, at least at least they're improving in that direction. They might not be able to get people to buy their phones, uh, but at least they can take their services and bring them uh, with better parity to to the Mac and iOS. Mm -hmm. So, Christine, I wanted to ask you. Um... Is it possible for Apple to block this technology to prevent developers or Microsoft from executing the strategy of having iOS apps basically recompiled for Windows? Is it, is it possible, do you think, for Apple? You know, they could change fundamental aspects of their API enough that it would be annoying, but no. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because this isn't fundamentally that different from what Adobe Air was doing when it switched from being kind of like that weird containerization thing to being a runtime. Um And, and it's, you know, there, there have been companies like AppCelerator and, and, and like I said, Zimmerian has been doing this sort of stuff in reverse. You know, as long as Apple has kind of these open APIs, it's one of those things, or not open, but, you know, these documented APIs, it's one of those things where you can kind of, you know, reverse engineer, um, you know, a compiler and, and, and kind of, you know, write a converter to, 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 you know, convert stuff. They might restrict everything they release, but, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think this hurts Apple for this to be a possibility. It's you're you're still primarily writing code in Objective C. Um, a, a question I got a lot last week was, are they going to do anything for Swift since Swift is obviously now the new hotness? Um, and and Microsoft has come forward and said, yes, we're working on a tool to bring Swift stuff over as well. Again, how well all of this is going to work, I don't really know. But you know, you consider the idea isn't too crazy when you consider you know if you look at things like Mac Ruby. And you look at some of the various, you know, JavaScript to, to iOS sorts of libraries and kind of the hybrid ways people code. Um, it isn't terribly different from saying, okay, I, I code primarily in this way, but I'm using some of this other stuff and I'm, I'm kind of making, you know, a, a soup out of my mobile app. So I, I, I mean, I guess Apple can make it harder for them, um, but I don't know if there would be any reason that they would want to do that because it doesn't hurt them. I mean, still, people are saying our development platform of choice is Xcode. And we will use um, Visual Studio by holding our nose. I mean, it, it looks pretty great for Apple, you know, um, from the company that, you know, just 10 years ago, Balmer was on stage screaming, sweaty developers, 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 developers. <laughs> that now the company that arguably has some of the, the worst developer relations, at least in terms of their transparency and stuff, is where everybody wants to be. Um, so, 
I don't know. Well, you still need to buy a Mac to use yes. Xcode. So <laughs> at yes. least well, they're going to the buy a Mac. No, you still need to buy a Mac. And there have been program, there have been toolkits for Windows for a long time. Like, again, like tools like Accelerator and Adobe Air, where you could kind of get around that and code for iOS. Uh, again, Zimmerian is one of those where you could kind of get around needing the, the the Mac, uh, but yeah, you you know you're gonna have to have your Xcode project file. This is this is certainly this is not one of those things that's trying to take away from Apple's market share. It's trying to say, look, we know you already have this code. Please bring it to us so that we can have like more than you know ten thousand apps or however many they have. Christina, thank you so much for joining us. I know that uh, I, I think I can speak for everyone that I feel like I have way more information than I did twenty minutes ago. Um, awesome which is what you're so great at and if people uh have enjoyed listening to christina and you haven't yet checked out rocket then you need to rectify that straight away because rocket is genuinely one of my very favorite shows right now um and i'm i am very privileged i get to hear it for everybody else because i i help you guys out with the editing so i yes you do <laughs> so i love i love that we have rocket on relay fm and if people want to check it out they can go to relay.fm slash rocket but christina where else can people find you uh, on the internet so you can find me at Mashable, where um, I, I write and do analysis, and I also do videos. Um, so Mashable.com slash people slash Christina. And I'm on Twitter. I'm at film underscore girl. And I do another podcast, which uh, is not on Relay FM, but is also a lot of fun, called Overtired, that I do with Brett Terpstra, where we basically, it's two geeks talking about the stuff that keeps us awake at night. And you can find that at esn.fm slash Overtired, and we'll put links to everything that we've just spoken about in the show notes today. Christina Warren, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Speak to you soon. All right. Talk soon. Right. We still have a bunch more that we want to talk about, including Apple Watch bands. And finally, maybe we'll finish the uh, streaming music discussion that we started about 700 weeks ago. And But before we do that, let me take a moment to thank our friends over at Igloo, the internet you'll actually like for helping support this week's episode of Connected. Why invest in the latest, sleekest devices if you're going to use them to stare at an internet website that looks like it was built in the 1990s? This is what Igloo can help you out with. Not only can Igloo be customized fully to look exactly like your brand, but with its responsive design, it's automatically optimized for any device you're using, whether it's the latest Nokia Lumia phone, maybe a Windows tablet, uh, maybe an iPhone 6 or a new MacBook. And just like all of your favorite devices, Igloo helps you do your best work. I mean, I was mentioning the customization stuff a moment ago. Like, it doesn't just come in with the way that you want it to look from a branding perspective. And, like, because you can change all the fonts and the colors and that kind of stuff. But you can actually customize the functionality to be for different groups. So say like the accounting team need need the microblogs, but they don't need the document sharing. They can have that, so you can just take that function away. But then maybe like the invoicing team need some other different type of functionality. Like they need the document stuff and they need microblogs and they want all that stuff because they're a sociable bunch. Then you can give them all of that and they can have all of that. It's really cool. You can pick and choose the different functionality that makes sense in different parts of your workplace. And I've mentioned some of this already, but with Igloo, you can share files, coordinate calendars, provide status updates, and manage your projects all in one interface. Igloo is not just for your traditional stuffy intranet stuff like HR policies and expense forms. It's also letting you work better together with the people that are in your organization. Igloo's most recent release, Viking, revolves around documents and how you interact with them, gather feedback, and make changes. They've even added the ability to track who has read critical information to keep everyone on the same page. So this makes sure that you're able to see if someone has read and acknowledged new policy documents, signed off on a legal agreement, or confirmed completion of training materials, which can all be really important stuff in a company. If you are working with a legacy internet that looks like it was built in the 90s, 
when Microsoft was on top, you should give Igloo a try. Igloo understands that love doesn't just happen overnight, so if you sign up right now, you can try out Igloo for free for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. You can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Igloo for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So yesterday, Apple sort of announced, sort of just published uh, a webpage called Creating Bands for Apple Watch. And links to a couple of PDFs. Um, the interesting one is the brand design guidelines for Apple Watch. Um, pretty, do you guys, do you guys look at this? It's, it's interesting. I took a look at the at the uh, the specs for creating bands, just because I think those are like those diagrams and images, like schematics, are fancy. I don't understand yeah. what's going on, but they're super nice. Like, um, what I like about them, like, is I know that this is kind of the way that these things are designed, but it looks like somebody just sketched them on a piece of paper and scanned them in. Yes. Like, I know, I know that that's kind of the point, but it still just it made me smile. Yeah, it um, looks like a secret document out of China. Yeah. Do you know? Did you know, guys, that in the UK, uh, even Apple calls them straps and not bands? It's, it's on the website and everything. Wow. Really? Yeah, because they're called watch straps. We don't call them watch bands in in the UK. We call them watch straps. So they. Well, call we them don't straps. call them straps or bands in Italian either. So. Well, what do they say on the <laughs> Apple website in Italy? What do they say on oh, Apple.com/it? Okay, so let's see if if I have the same. Because I never checked the Italian Apple website. Well, there you go. See, you'd uh, know they, they've got some. Let's see word. if my guess is correct. Um, but yeah, duh, Cinturino. See, yeah, yeah, of course, it's what we use in Italian. Perfect. So you have to yeah. think about everybody. I like well, it. There's a really nice copy on the Italian website. <laughs> yeah, it's the first yeah. Thing there. <laughs> I I like the style. Yeah, cool. Straps, yes. huh? Yeah, I didn't know. Didn't know that. Straps and, and bands. So Apple has a section in here about the lugs, which are the if you have an Apple Watch or played with one, the parts that slide into the case and sort of click in. So on the sport band, they're made of the same material as the band, but like on the leather buckles, it's you know stainless steel that sort of slides in. So talk about that. They have uh, testing for the sort of metal or material you're using, and these these uh, these tests are all like. Um, bodies like standards, uh, which is which is nice. They're not, you know, having their own tests. They're saying, hey, you know, you need to to meet these guidelines. And then of course they have the the images you were talking about, Federico, of these schematics, so you can kind of see yes. how the lugs go in, how you know the thickness of everything, and it's um interesting. I think I think what has gotten a lot of the headlines and uh, what I think is most interesting is some of the re- requirements that they've that they've put in here uh, about different types of uh, adjustments and that it should provide a snug yet comfortable fit which is maybe the most yeah. hilarious thing ever written in a tech in a tech spec uh, there's no battery stuff is one thing that they're saying right 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 um you can yeah, because in, in the in the past week we saw uh, those uh third-party bands uh, from companies who are trying to figure out a way to plug into the diagnostic port of the Apple Watch, and they are claiming that they can actually recharge the watch or something. Yeah, I think I saw a bunch of these projects. Yeah, I've seen this stuff. Apparently, so, and and, and I think this is the case. Like power can be put through that diagnostic port. Yeah. Um, 
but I saw a good piece from Serenity on iMore today, and she's kind of like, yeah, it's probably for the best. And like, I hadn't really thought this before, but it's like, this thing is like battery powered and charging whilst in contact with your skin. Like that mm-hmm. just seems like you would get burned. Yeah, it seems like a bad idea in general to trust a third-party company to use uh, a piece of hardware that Apple itself is not mentioning anywhere. Like, I think it would be super easy for Apple to cut off access to the diagnostic port via software. Like, what if they release an update and you buy this third-party band that promises to like to charge your Apple Watch and then suddenly there's a software update and your accessory is no longer recognized by whatever hack you're using to plug into that port. It's super hacky. I don't know. Yeah, and, and to your point, Mike, I mean, uh, at least the stainless steel body, you know, putting on the charger at night and picking up in the morning, it's it's warm to the touch in the morning. It's not yeah. that it's hot. It's not that it's uncomfortable, but it's noticeably warm. It's the only time my my device ever feels warm is when I pick it up in the morning to put it on. Uh, that goes away quickly, but every morning I pick it up and it's like, this is warm again. Yeah, yeah that's the, by uh, design. That's a feature to wake you up. <laughs> like a little hug. <laughs> Hey, buddy. <laughs> nice to see Wake you up, today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I stayed, yeah, I went out of town this past weekend and visited a friend for his birthday and kind of crashed on his couch. And so I had my watch charging sort of in the corner of the room, like just on the floor, like kind of behind my bag. And I actually got like a book out of my backpack so it had a hard surface because I was like, it's not that it's going to catch the carpet on fire. But I was like, I want this thing to have a little airflow. Definitely not what I was expecting from it. Um, so anyways, it's, it's, it's interesting. Clearly Apple's going to allow third party bands. My, my question to the two of you, it's like, mm. what, what do you guys want to see out of a program like this? I, I at least feel like Apple's offerings are a really varied. So you can go anything from like really nice stainless steel to the, you know, rubbery sports band. And I just, in Apple's lineup, there are several options that I like. What, what are people looking for that Apple's not offering? I want to see not traditional tech companies making third-party bands for the Apple Watch. I want to see luxury brands making these bands for the Apple Watch. Like, I want to see, I don't know, Gucci. I want to see, um, I'm struggling to think of brands that I know. Louis Vuitton, uh, yes, Burberry. I want to see these people making bands for the Apple Watch. They 100% will, right? Like, they are yeah, definitely, I mean, this is definitely going to happen. If they're not stupid, they need to get on board. Like, I would, if I were Gucci, and oh my God, that would be nice. But if I were Gucci, I would totally make an Apple Watch band. I like want to see stuff like branded stuff. Like, I, you know... I think that that would be fun. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that I would want something like this, but it's the first thing that popped into my head, which would be like an Iron Man band. You know, like not stuff specifically like that, but you know, like sports teams. They could be a sports teams bands. Like, you know, all of your favorite. You could get one with the Memphis Grizzlies colors on it, Stephen. Jackpot. Yeah, I I think that that's that's I agree with you, Federico. I totally want to see the luxury brands, although I probably wouldn't go down that route, but. This product is about like expression, you know, it's yeah. about fashion, it's about expression. So the the idea that I'm really pleased that they're doing this. I didn't think they would do it yet. I thought it was going to be a version two thing because they didn't announce it straight away. Um, but I'm really pleased that they are. And like the thing is, I agree with you, Stephen. Like looking at what I see right now, 
I can't think of something that I'm looking for because there are still Apple Watch bands that I want to buy. Mm-hmm. But I think the key of it is with this stuff is you need to see what's available to know what you want. And the whole idea of a product like this, in theory, is offering choice. And if there's official choice that's coming via like an ordained program, like the is it called Made for Apple Watch? Yes. Uh, it is. And there's a note in here that just following these rules doesn't mean you can use that label. So, I mean, it's like it is in the past where you have to apply to have that, that blessing from Apple. But I mean, you probably yeah. get it if you get the lugs, right? Because they will send the lugs to you. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's. I mean, A, I just skimmed it, but it's, sure. it gets a little technical, yeah, a little legally. But yeah. I think <laughs> it's really, I think it's really exciting. Um, I like the idea of, of being able to go to my favorite fashion brand and buying like bands that match clothing that I own, you know, like, but not, not yeah. like exactly, but like aesthetically. Like, I'm a big fan of Levi's. I have lots of Levi's jeans and Levi's shirts. And I would like to see what Levi's could do for a watch band, which would potentially match some of the clothes that I own. Or let's say that I buy a really fancy suit from from like Burberry or something. It would be really nice if I could buy a matching watch band to go along with that suit that I wear. Yeah, that kind of idea, and I, I yeah, it's genius. It's just genius. And this is exactly the kind of thing that needed to do. What about like more accessible brands for like young people? I'm thinking about like H and M department stores, you know that kind of store. Yeah. What if they get on board with the with the uh, Made for Apple Watch program and they start making I don't know like bands that are 20 euros, which I don't know. They're what, seasonal. What it's like in pounds? Um, yeah. What if, what if they're seasonal? What do they have, what if they have like models for? Uh, I mean, uh, men and women, of course, but also teens, and maybe you know, when even if you want to to dress a little more fancy, uh, you know, th- there's lots of potential here with, uh, like you said, Mike, with a uh, with expression, with personalization of the Apple Watch. I'm try, and it's it's kind of different because, I mean, there's people who kind of outfit their iPhones with all sorts of cases, but having that kind of personalization on a on a watch, it's so much different. You know, because you have like you don't have to use an iPhone case, but you have to use a band with your watch. That's such a good point. That is a really you interesting know? distinction, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, I I decided to use an iPhone case like just last year, and even now on the six plus, I don't keep a case. But on the watch, you cannot use a watch without a case. I mean, unless you kind of use your phone with a piece of tape around your wrist, which I'm sure cannot happen. I mean, you know, you, you need a band. So because of this necessity and because Apple is allowing other companies to, to do official, officially approved bands, I think we'll see a lot, of, uh, a lot of uptake by people. At least I hope so. It feels like an inevitability to me. Like if there were 3,000 third-party apps in the store for the watch's launch, it shows that there's excitement about the product. I know it, those two things don't go hand in hand, but it just feels like this is something that a couple of companies maybe will jump on, and then once they do, everyone else is going to follow. And mm-hmm. as I expect, I I thought this would happen at the time at, at the, the the release date, but it hasn't yet. But I expect that there are already companies that had these documents a few weeks ago, at least. Yeah. Um, that Apple was contacted. Another 
point that I wanted to discuss is uh, you guys know that I used to work uh, with you know an eBay store. I used to sell things on eBay for other people. Mm-hmm. And one of my clients was this uh, local uh, watch and jewelry store in Viterbo. And now I'm not, a, I don't work with this guy anymore, uh, but he has, you know, this, this small sh- local shop in Viterbo where he primarily sells watches and accessories. So I'm wondering, will, you know, if, you know, uh, pretty known companies in, in, the, in terms of a uh, watch market, brands like Citizen and Omega, you know, these people, if they do start making custom bands for the Apple Watch, Will people like my friend in Viterbo who owns a small watch shop, will they start Will they start selling, not the Apple Watch, but, you know, the bands to people? Because uh, I've been thinking about the Apple Watch and smartwatches in general. Like, what does my, my friend in Viterbo who is, you know, uh, it depends on, on the traditional watch market. Is he scared by smartwatches and by Apple Watch? But what if, he, what if, you know, these little uh, business owners could find a way to kind of plug into the smartwatch market and in this case, in the, in the Apple Watch market, by still selling physical custom bands to people? Like, I, I, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, custom bands also kind of expand beyond the Apple stores and websites and the big fashion boutiques and if you can buy them at, at a local store like my friend in Viterbo. Yeah, Federico, I can definitely see that see that happening. You know, this sort of like boutique industry of of nicely done. You know, maybe even like like artisanal, locally sourced <laughs> Apple Watch fans. Like, I mean, I say that joking, but also not joking. Like, um, you know, you haven't seen that with iPhone cases as much, but like you said, this is a, a very personal thing, a very um, sort of a very different thing than an iPhone case. And so I would imagine that it could be a really interesting, probably smaller than the iPhone case, but but interesting nonetheless, a uh, little market to uh, to keep an eye on. I'm excited. I hope that it does. I mean, these things probably is going to take many months before we start seeing them in the, in the wild. Uh, but I'm excited to see more. I, I'm just happy that this is in motion. Um, and I hope that it's not too long before we start seeing some stuff, at least. I hope it's not too long before I get an Apple Watch. Where are you in this process, by the way? <laughs> I don't know where I'm. Where am I? <laughs> 20 days to go, Mike. Okay. Yeah. You have, have you been charged yet? No. No, because that usually means it's on the way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still waiting. I was hoping to see some kind of move- movement this week. Well, still nothing, still 20 days, still May 26. So. Remind me what one you got again. Uh, Sport, Space Gray, Black Band, 42. Right, okay. So it's not one of the yeah. mythical models. No, it's it's the stupid one. It's the like the, the basic one that everybody got. Yeah, I'm sorry, Federico. It will come, yeah, well, it will come. I hope so. Should we take a break? Yes. Finally get to that music streaming stuff. Yes. This week's episode of Connected is also brought to you by SaneBox. 
Listen to this. Let's see if it sounds like you. On a daily basis, my inbox is overflowing with email that I just don't have time to deal with. It feels like I'm always playing catch up. If that is something that sounds familiar, fortunately, there is a company out there that can help you, and that is Samebox. Samebox was designed to give you back control of your inbox and save you time on email. How does it work? After a quick analysis of your inbox, Samebox is able to determine what emails are important to you with great accuracy, incredible accuracy. It automatically filters your unimportant emails out of your inbox and into a new email folder called Same Later, which means the only emails that land right in your inbox are the ones that actually matter. The emails in Same Later are summarized in a daily digest, but you can always check it yourself whenever you feel like it. Who uses Same Box? A bunch of people. So we're talking about Fortune 500 companies, VCs, salespeople, accountants, lawyers, realtors, managers, CEOs, entrepreneurs, essentially anyone that gets a bunch of email can use and does use Samebox. Samebox will work anywhere you check your email. Gmail, Outlook, Exchange, um, iCloud, Yahoo Mail, the the whole kit and caboodle. It's totally cloud-based. It's not an app, so there's nothing you need to download, install, or sync between your devices. And of course, it is mobile-friendly. Samebox has a bunch of other awesome features like one-click unsubscribe, follow-up reminders. You can snooze non-urgent emails and move attachments to the cloud and way more. If you're ready to clean up your inbox and spend less time on email, get a risk-free, no credit card required, fully featured trial over at sanebox.com connected. That's S-A-N-E. B-O-X dot com slash connected. S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash connected. Thank you so much to Samebox for helping us out by supporting this week's episode. If you decide to buy a subscription, they will throw in up to two months free for you. So two months free if you sign up at samebox.com slash connected. Thanks so much. So, Mike and Steven, can we talk about music? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So just today, have you looked on Twitter uh, and specifically on 9to5Mac? Yeah. Did. The link is in the show notes already. Yeah. There's a, there's a rumor that uh, basically some music industry people are saying that Apple still doesn't have a deal with the music labels and, you know, all these other music guys to announce a new streaming service by June. Um, but instead, 9to5Mac uh, sources say there's going to be... a, a, a Music streaming announcement at WWDC is going to happen, and there's going to be an international rollout by the end of June in oh yeah in in a lot of countries. So not just the US and not in iOS nine, but in iOS eight point four and US and beyond. Uh, so hopefully that also means Italy, even if traditionally we're like a third world country in terms of Apple releases. But fingers crossed. Um, but I guess at the moment it could potentially be not everything, just a bunch of stuff. Like they might not get everything done. I mean, I, I think I read an article on The Verge about this too, and they were like, this is the same of iTunes Radio though. Like they were getting the, the deals done in the 11th hour. So it could be a similar thing. Who knows? Yeah. But I'm, I mean, it's, it's a good sign that it's coming not with iOS 9 and that they mention more countries than, than just the US. So this time I'm I'm crossing my fingers and hoping for the 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 ADQ gods to 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 bless me with some new yeah. streaming 
So <laughs> you, say, you say that, but the Eddie Q gods might be in trouble with the federal government. <laughs> oh yes, because this is, lots of oh, <laughs> this is this is Apple at their worst. Like I hate this stuff. I'm telling you now what strategy Apple is using this time. But before, let me explain. So just yesterday, there was a, a report on the Verge about Apple basically pushing the music labels to abandon basically the free uh, version of Spotify where people can listen without paying a dime uh, and they're basically pushing you know the, the, the industry to leave Spotify and to embrace this new music streaming service they're making and in general to never provide music again to people who don't uh, to people who offer streaming for free and Apple has been down this road before with the with the Department of Justice in the US with the with the iBooks trial uh, uh, they have been found guilty, and I think Apple is appealing the decision, of course. And, you know, when, with the iBooks case, there were dozens of really interesting emails from, from Apple executives about, you know, Amazon and, and, and book publishing companies. And this time, uh, my theory is that they're using digital touch to communicate about this strategy. <laughs> so everything expires. <laughs> And instead of leaving a trail in their email accounts, this is why they made digital touch to send each other's drawings or, you know, drawings or you know messages about hey we should call this guy at Sony of the we should remember activity that we should remember Universal about our, our little plans you know and they use digital touch because everything expires and. Um, but no, uh, aside from the jokes, if this is really the case again, I mean, Apple should should know better at this point. Uh, but well, Especially because, like, one, you know, you read the articles and it's like they have people from the Department of Justice <laughs> yes. in Apple, like, because of these terrible illegal things that they're doing. <laughs> well, but yeah, if, if they are continuing to do this, it's if, like, if what they are you are. doing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's big business, you know, big money flowing through the pipes. We don't know what's going on. Yeah, these are business people. They're rich. They can do whatever they want, and we're just here well, to read the until verge. the Department of Justice comes knocking. <laughs> until the until justice strikes his hammer on Apple. <laughs> anyway, um, so two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think we talked about music streaming, and. I left a couple of points and you guys didn't want to talk about music again and I was sad and I told you I was sad and eventually you allowed me to talk about music again. So here we are. Wasn't that and when you threatened to quit the show? Or was no, that... I, I, I do that every day, basically, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> in, in one way or another. Um, but um, no, I, I don't think I threatened to, to leave the show. Maybe I did. I, I can't remember. Um Let's be serious for a moment and, and talk about music streaming. I know that it, that's difficult for you too, especially for Steven, but we should do it. We should do this. Um, if Apple is, doing a, is making a new music streaming service and it is going to be available on a bunch of devices, of course. It is going to be on, a, on the iPhone, on the iPad. We can hope there's going to be some kind of Mac presence, whether it's a native app built into iTunes or maybe a web app, we don't know. And we can only assume that there's going to be versions of this new music service for the Apple Watch and the Apple TV. And I want to talk about the Apple Watch first. So I don't currently own an Apple Watch, as you guys and our listeners know, but I can make a few assum assumptions that I would like to discuss with Michael and Steven. 
these people are you in this case. Okay. And yes, <laughs> those are your names. And uh, so I was thinking, this is kind of one of those futuristic ideas and stuff that I think about in the shower or when I'm sleeping and then I wake up and, and I have these ideas. So wouldn't it be nice if like, the Apple Watch has a, has a heart rate sensor and it knows when you're running and it knows how much you're, you know, how much, how much, how hard you're, you're going in your exercise or workout routine. So it would be nice if like there was a feature to recommend a specific playlist depending on the workout that you're doing. Because I've been like, I remember last year when I, when I kind of, went crazy with this uh, idea of having to walk a lot every day. So I borrowed like a treadmill and I walked on the treadmill like like one hour each day, uh, which was unusual for me because I went from no walking to, or, you know, like five minute walks to 16 minute walks, which was kind of big change. And I remember every time I started walking and of course I listened to music or podcasts, but when I was listening to music, I was constantly fiddling with my uh, Spotify playlists because I didn't know, like if I'm, if I'm going fast, I usually want to listen to hip hop or maybe like Linkin Park or some kind of rock music that I like. And if I'm going slow, like I can, I can listen to some Oasis, you know, I can switch playlists and, and kind of let the music flow differently depending on how fast I'm going. And it'd be nice if the Apple Watch had, had, the, had this kind of access for uh, when it comes to music. And it, it'd be kind of cool to, to, to have a feature that, let, you know, plugs into the, uh, the heart rate sensor and kind of gives you mm -hmm. the best music depending on your conditions. It's kind of crazy, but maybe it's doable. I don't know. I like the thought of that. I think that's quite yeah. nice. Like the idea that because the watch knows these pieces of information about you, and I know you spoke about this before. Like when you're, you know, working out, and and like the the, the device understanding your current like fatigue state and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of. Do you remember? Um, do you remember the Nike shoe thing in the yeah. jig? Yeah, and you'd press the like the button in the app, and it would all on in iTunes or on sorry on the iPod, and it would play your power song. Oh yeah, do you remember that? My my wife yeah. was super into that. I mean, she really like music became a really big part of her running because of features like that. Your so. wife is a woman of good taste, Stephen. It's true. Yeah, I mean, she married you, so look at that. Uh. Now, guys, we need to have a talk about lyrics, music lyrics, and Apple support for lyrics in their music apps, and eventual possible plans for music streaming. So, I'm a big, because I'm a big lyrics guy, because uh, English is not my native language, and sometimes when I'm listening to music, I can understand what, what's being said in a song. And so I always, at least a couple of times each day, when I'm listening to a song, I Google the, the lyrics. And when I'm not Googling the, the lyrics of a song, I'm using Music Smash, which, which is this excellent Italian company who made an, a, a, a series of apps for every device. There's Music Smash for the iPhone, for the iPad, for Android, Android Wear, there's Music Smash, I think, for the Apple Watch. And it's, it's, it's so great because it, gives you, it integrates with the local music app on your device. And it gives you real-time lyrics and you can sing along, you can, you can 
decide to show just a couple of lines of, of text or you can show the entire text. And recently, Music Smash uh, teamed up with Spotify to have um, lyrics integration in uh, Spotify for, for the desktop. And it's a fantastic integration because when you're in the Spotify app, you just have a lyrics icon, you click the icon, and there's a lyrics overlay on these. You just you just get the lyrics the lyrics in the Spotify app without going to a web browser or without opening another app. It's just there. And on Android, because of the uh, Android intents, which is the uh, intents are the uh, like extensions for Android. It's the extension framework on Android. Uh, Music Smash can show real time lyrics on top of the uh, Spotify album artwork. So it's, you know, this stuff isn't possible on iOS and they can do it on Android, which is so nice. And now I'm thinking, so if Apple is doing a new music streaming service, are they going to finally be the music streaming service that cares about lyrics? Because I say this, because every, every streaming service that I tried from Spotify to RDO to Google Music, Tidal, you know, the, the, the one from the rapper. Um, the one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they, they never have lyrics integration. So I want to believe, I want to believe many things, but in this case, I want to believe that Apple will be the company that will care about lyrics and that will try to, try to find a way to swing its wallet around and pay whoever you need to pay to have officially licensed lyrics in your music streaming service. And all this to say, I'm a huge music lyrics fan. I just like to read the words of the songs that I listen to and all these music streaming services don't care for this stuff music smash is nice it's very nice especially if you use spotify on the desktop a lot uh, but i would like to see native integration or support for lyrics in the new beats music basically and maybe it's you know because i'm italian because i i I need to understand lyrics. Maybe it's not the same for you English people. I don't know. No, I I am a huge lyrics person. And mm -hmm. only this weekend, uh, I used Music's Match inside of Spotify to uh, to show off my rapping skills for my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a true story. And it did. I did really well. I was. I was proving uh, how well I knew a particular song uh, by her checking off my skills whilst uh, I was rapping and she was reading, and it went very well for me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I uh, I asked you to show me the Shazam um, app on the Apple Watch, and it's really nice. But I really want to have lyrics uh, in in the app that I'm using to listen to music. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, I, I know that you can use Shazam and you can use SoundHound uh, to have integration with Spotify, RDO, or other services, but I just want lyrics alongside the, the song that I'm listening to. I don't so, want to switch between apps and don't want to open, to open Google. I just want the lyrics there. So, but Spotify is doing this though, right? You're happy with, with yes. what they're doing? Yeah. So, you, yes. so like when you uh, say on you, the desktop, you want... And on Android, it's very nice. Right, but it's not everywhere. It's not everywhere, and you know, it's it's a not 
they are relying for as much as I love Music Smash, it's still an external company. Whereas I think a, a, a music company that does the streaming should also find a way to do the, the lyrics part. Sure. Like it needs to be an integration, not just you know a, a teaming up with other people. Because what what if Music Smash goes away? I mean, I hope they don't. But what if they do? You just lose the lyrics, basically. I don't know. This is... I don't want to go too deep into my, my fears and, and thoughts on this stuff. Moving on. Apple TV. If if Apple is doing this new music streaming service on for, for the new Apple TV, which is also supposedly coming in June with a, um, you know, with <laughs> a new remote. Everything is coming in June. Everything <laughs> all, is coming. All the things. Yes. June is the new Christmas. And um, what if... Uh, I mean, of course, you will be able to listen to music on your TV because you you already can. And But again, I'm thinking about Spotify. And I'm thinking about what Spotify did with Sony to have a Spotify app on PlayStation, which is really nice. I don't know, Mike, if you tried it on your, on your PlayStation 4. No, uh, I haven't. But you could... I didn't even know it was there. Oh, yeah. It's uh, from a couple of months ago, I think. Uh, you can listen to music, you can, you can, you know, there's, of course, you can listen while you're playing games and you can have all your playlists. It's very nice. And there's been lots of rumors about Apple doing kind of this new version of the Apple TV that goes beyond channels to have apps, to have games on your big TV screen and to kind of, you know, the next logical step for the Apple TV to do more than just channels that somehow just show up randomly every day. There's a new channel on the Apple TV. So if there's a new Apple TV with a new remote, new interface, new apps, games... I think it, it'll make sense for, for Apple to have Beats Music or whatever the name is. Maybe it's called Apple Stream. I don't know. They seem to be calling everything with Apple as a prefix these days. I think it'll um, be Apple Music. Apple Music. <laughs> yeah. Just Apple Music. Uh-huh. Probably. Apple oh. Beats. I'll just go, well, just go with <laughs> Apple Core and just like, you know, <laughs> really, really screw them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um... I mean, uh, you guys own an Apple TV. I think I think Stephen I does. I don't. M- Mike I doesn't. Do. I do. Okay, my memory serves me right. Stephen, do you listen to music on your TV? Uh, we do. Um, actually, a fair a fair amount. We just do it through iTunes. But uh, but yeah, it's um, it's nice. You know, it's it does the the artwork and mm-hmm. kind of flips around, and it's that's fun to see. Yeah, I mean, I like it to be better. I know that you know you can do things besides just just iTunes on it, but I could see that being uh, you know sort of a selling point for them. Of a lot of people, you know, my entertainment center is really simple, but even if you have something more complex, the TV is still a big part of it for audio. So I would like to see it uh, be improved from from what it is. But I could say that about anything about the Apple TV. So <laughs> none of it's great, but um, but yes, I do. I just want to see if it really launches internationally also in Italy or in Europe for that matter, you know. I don't know. I I'm excited. Like I want to I want to see how Beats Music changes so under Apple and how it's integrated into the music app or maybe iTunes. I'm also kind of scared they're going to I don't want to say ruin it. But maybe they're gonna forget about the best parts of Beats Music, like the curation and like the editorial recommendations, that kind of stuff. We'll see. 
Mike, I know that there's something that annoys you in Beats music. Oh, man, Beats music is driving me crazy. So you're still using Beats music? Yeah. I've have I have one really annoying thing that has been it's popped up but it's really gotten worse this week. So I have this weird thing and I don't know if I'm the only one that this happens to where I download music to the offline in Beats and it like cuts off like massive portions of the track like it ends like a minute early. And this has Bro. happened with like multiple Every albums. Song? No, like, but it picks out random songs. So, like, the new Mumford & Sons album, it does it to two songs in a row. Like, one of them ends a minute early, and then one of them's only 20 seconds long. Like, the next mm. one. And it's like, what are you doing? And, like, are and those the, the good songs or the bad songs? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's... Maybe it's a curation feature. They Maybe want it you is. To listen so, like, to I, I had this with Pharrell's album. I had this with Foo Fighters' albums, like, ones that I can remember. And I've tried to go through their support team, and the support team's like, do this, do this. None of it works. Like, the only way I was able to... The, the, the Foo Fighters' album, there's a song that I love called Congregation, and which was what I was playing for you, Federico, earlier when I was showing you how Shazam worked. And oh. the song would cut off, like, 45 seconds before the actual end. But the thing is, like, I know it cuts off because the song ends, but the the counter, like, the, the, the time counter, or whatever you call it, that was accurate for when it cut off, right? So if the song was meant to be four minutes long, it would show it's, like, three minutes and 20 seconds. But it, at three minutes and 20 seconds, the song ended, but it wasn't the end of the song, if I'm making sense. Mm-hmm. Like, the app just didn't see that there was any more music. That's terrible. It's so annoying. And and that that's happened to me a few times. And when I had to restore my phone a couple of weeks ago, it fixed it for all of the previous albums. But I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> like, I can delete the music. I can set it to re-download again. It always happens. The only way I can get rid of it is, like, completely blasted in the app away. That's fine. Fine. I mean, this is from the company that to listen to it on the desktop, you have to have Flash installed. So, so this is the other thing. Their, their web app is so horrific. Like, it's so bad. It's just so, so bad. Like, in all of these apps, including the iOS app, right? If I go to, say, my go into the library, click the Kings of Leon as an artist, and just tap one of the songs, it will start playing either, the, if I've got it in shuffle mode, it will then just start playing every song that's by that artist, or if it's in like regular mode, it will just start going through them all. If I do this on the web app, it just starts playing random music. <laughs> like, so it it's plays, a feature. It's, it it's plays a, a Kings of Leon song, and then it will play like an Arctic Monkey. It's just playing my entire library. <laughs> <laughs> crazy <laughs> oh so i've actually started moving at least when i'm listening on my computer i've been using spotify recently because mm. they have an actual app i mean i have <laughs> yes, they i do. have so many more i have so many other problems with spotify but their app is is pretty good like um, what i'm curious like what problems the fact that their playlists just cannot be sorted okay yeah i, I don't use that so i it just yeah. drives me insane because until recently, like all of your music would be in playlists, right? Yes. So I have yeah. all my music in playlists and now they have like the songs, albums, artists thing, which they never had until recently. But mm-hmm. now all my music's in playlists and I don't want to sit down for a day and like put it all into my library. Like it's just annoying that they, they annoy me. Uh, everybody annoys me when it comes to music. There's just like no company that can do it right. And and as much as I want it, I also know that Apple will not be that company either. Um, 
are you're so pessimistic? Come Nobody on. has ever done it the way that I like it, and it's because there's something about music and this is something that I'm very interested in just in general, is that like fashion, music is very polarizing and people have their very specific opinions and that even comes down to the services they use. Hence why some people, Stephen, hoard iPods like as a, as a method well, of making sure you can always have his music. I mean, as I say, that's why, I mean, I've tried all those music streaming services and I revisit them from time to time and that's the problem that like iTunes for all of its problems is still closest to how I think about music. And it's not even about, like, I want my files on my disc. There's part of that. But a lot of it is, like, the the experience using the app is just garbage. And uh, Apple can hopefully do better at that. But, you know, iTunes is not, like, iTunes does not deserve a gold star for being easy to use. It's it's complex. And on iOS, it's downright confusing at times. Can they fix that and add a streaming service? Like, that seems difficult. So uh, I'm not sold that Apple's going to be, like, streaming service i use either I see it. audio was so good and then that got bad like that yeah. was really good like yeah. i think as an app like before i tried out beats like i was really enjoying audio i wanted to try out beats i liked beats so i stuck with beats and i've never gone back to audio because all i ever see about audio these days is people complaining about how bad audio has gotten <laughs> it's like why do you do this yeah. is it radio was it audio or radio did anybody ever put that to bed i think it's audio right, yeah okay. It's a shame. Um, we should talk, not not today, but in the future. This is going to sound like a joke, but it's not. We should talk about our music workflows. And by that, I mean, how do we think of music? Like when you wake up and you know you want to listen to music, how is your brain, like, how do you think about music? I Do you want to browse your library, like, by artist, by album, by year? Do you use playlists? Do you search? Do you go to new releases? Do you use the discovery f- feature of these streaming services? Like, talking to you guys and um, talking to people that listen to us, it seems clear to me that one's opinion on these uh, streaming services is heavily influenced by how you think of music. Like, do you see music as you see in iTunes? Or do you want to see new stuff and then go from there? Do you search? Do you use playlists much like Mike? I think it would be an interesting discussion because we talked about different services. We talked about the features. We talked about the stuff that we don't like. We talked about the stuff that we like. And then we talked about Apple and what's coming and what's not coming. But we never really talked about how do we approach music. Yeah, I think that 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 kind of conversation is definitely interesting and worth having, but I think it will tie really nicely in with if and when uh, we see some more music stuff from Apple. So that might be nice post-WWDC to talk about. Um, you know, because we may as well try and kill off some music streaming services now because we've, we've done all we can do to photo services. So It's, it's the, next, uh, the next vertical for us in our acquisition business. Yeah, something like that. Well, you know, you know, a coffee just appeared in front of me. How did that happen? Well, I have my secrets. Did somebody bring it to you? No, just show up mm. in my room. 
Well, on that bombshell, I think that's about it for this week's episode of Connected. If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, you can check your app of choice, but you can also go to relay.fm slash connected slash 38. If you want to find us online, there's a few ways to do that. You can hit me up on the Twitter if you would like to do so. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and Stephen is at I-S-M-H. And you can find our writing and work online in many places if you would like. Federico is at maxstories.net and Stephen is at 512pixels.net Thanks again to our sponsors this week Linda, Igloo and Samebox and we'll be back next time Until then, say goodbye guys Arrivederci Adios